podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's going on, FPL managers? Welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. No, you haven't accidentally clicked on a TED Talks video. I'm here with Praz for his burning question section, and I'm filling in for FPL Sinaldo. Um, after you guys had some technical, technical difficulties earlier on. How are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. Uh, firstly, I'd like to start with apologizing to uh, the viewers. I know a lot of you were waiting for over 30 minutes, so sorry about that. Uh, yes, we did have some technical issues. Um, yeah, um, Andy was at work and he didn't have a, have have the right equipment, and and for good reason. We won't go into why he was still at work, but uh, you know, we hope all is well with Andy. And uh, thank you very much, Ted, for stepping in. That's no problem at all. He's a good boy, isn't he? Works hard. <laughs> Yeah, we've all been there with the technical difficulties, so, you know, it is what it is. But we're here now. We're going to talk about FPL. Can't wait to get stuck in. Praz, you're going to guide me with all my transfers for the rest of the week, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're here. Uh, look, uh, you know, the idea of this uh, stream was um, we, we had done a very comprehensive strategy video a week ago. And so this one was basically freestyle. Let's just take questions from, uh, you know, the people on Twitter and live questions here. And uh, we've sort of... Uh, sectioned this video in those various topics and we can dive right into it. I mean, we usually, unlike the TED Talks we don't talk about last week, even better because I had a terrible Game Week 30, so we don't need to discuss Game Week 30 at all. Me too, to be fair. So yes, let's skip right past that. Right. So getting into the first slide, which is basically questions on TAA. Everyone wants to know, should we should we sell him? Should we hold him? So I'm going to read out the the the, the way we'll do this is we'll read out some questions from people on Twitter on on the live chat. Please feel free to add as well to the extent they're not covered, and we'll go through each uh, each question or each theme as you will. So uh, I'll start with Ron Mukherjee's question. So he asks if TA is out for the next couple of weeks, is the play to get in Cancelo? I don't have a wild card though. I have Robertson and Rudiger in my team. So. This question basically plays into the fact that without a wildcard, should you be selling Trent? Then you also have FPL underscore up, uh, who's saying is TA, Robertson, Cancelo and Reese too big at the back. So we'll take this in themes. So first, uh, I'll come to you, Ted. You're not on a wildcard. What are you thinking? Trent out or hold? I think there's a simple solution to this. If you have a wildcard left, I think he's fine to sell because... Obviously, he'll be out for Watford. He's got Man City in 32 and then not a double in 33. If you're wildcarding in 34, easy to get him back. Me, I haven't got a wildcard and I'm not sure you do either, Praz. I don't either. Very don't. difficult to sell him, in my opinion. I was looking at it. I was looking at it. But the problem is, once you sell him and downgrade him to either a Robertson or a Cancelo and use that cash to fund other players, it's very difficult to like psychologically get yourself back in game week 34 and upgrade a player back to Trent. It doesn't feel like you're progressing your team in the game. You're backtracking a little bit. And I think you're just going to be end up one transfer behind from game week 34 when City, Chelsea, Aston Villa, Palace all have decent fixtures. So it's a big no for me if you don't have a wild card. Right. Okay. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I, and I'll talk about two exceptions here. So exception number one, if you're in a position where you're happy with your team, right? You already have a few premiums. Let's say you have Robertson already, James already, Rudiger already. So you have a sort of semi-big at the back and you had Trent. And so you wanted to get to Cancelo. Uh, no other problems in your team. Your midfield looks good. Your forward line looks good. In that case, 
maybe you can make a case for selling Trent because you won't, you know, you're well set up for the future. So the, I think for these guys, I would say probably there's an exception. You could look at it because I don't think team value comes into it. I mean, you mentioned this, Ted. Um, in fact, you didn't talk about team value rightly because I think this is not the time to worry about team value. I mean, people sold Cancelo very and profited from it uh, four weeks ago, right? We all got Robertson or some of us got Robertson, some got James and made huge profits. So who is to say that if you were to jump off ship and you were happy with the rest of the team, that you could not make gains there. So just something to consider. But I think overall, I'm with you. There's only eight transfers now until now and to the end of the season. If you're looking to get Trent back in, I think it's very dangerous to lose him, right? It, it's really, really tempting to to move him on and commit to not having him for the rest of the season. Have a Robertson, Reese James, Cancelo back three. But the problem is with Trent, he's such a key player and he has the capacity to go big in big games. Um, you know, he's going to have a high effective ownership still. He's someone who could send you, send your rank plummeting if he goes big in any given game. And I'm just terrified of doing that. I've done that plenty of times over the last few seasons. Absolutely painful to go about him. So yes, I know we shouldn't make our FPL decisions through fear of not having a player because, you know, you can cover certain players with with split, spreading the cash across your squad. But um, just for me, I, I'm not that kind of player. I'm not going to risk it. I'd rather boost the rest of my squad. I think that's fair. So I was so like I mentioned, I think the first case of people uh, that could look at it is if your whole team is fine and you have one transfer you want to get to Cancelo. I think the second type of people uh, who are looking to chase and think, look, Robertson might cover um, Trent anyway, and I'm happy with the rest of my backline. What do you think about that? So can Robertson cover Trent? I mean, he's certainly incredible form at the moment, Robertson. Um, but I think we looked at this on, on, on the video on Monday, actually. All of his big chances created are being converted on a hundred percent scale. Like so, it's not sustainable. He's doing far, far better than the numbers suggest, um, which is fine. He plays for an absolutely fantastic team in Liverpool. He's got absolutely fantastic players around him who are going to convert those big chances. But going forwards, those are probably not sustainable. And you know, I, I hate saying that because it feels like a cop out. I think Robertson probably can match Alexander Arnold over a good few game weeks, but. I think Trent is the big game player and he has the capacity to go big, as I, as I said earlier. Um, it, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. I, I actually think if you compare him to Cancelo, which is going to be a very popular transfer pick, I actually don't think Cancelo comes anywhere close to Trent or even Robertson or even Reese James for that matter. And I would, I would personally suggest going for the likes of Report over Cancelo. We looked at this on Monday as well. Cancelo's had 60 shots this season, 60, and he scored one goal. All of them are small chances. And I mean, the 5% conversion for those small chances means that he should have scored about three, but he's, he's scored one. And so his technical ability, he's been, he's been underperforming those, those shots and he hasn't really created that much compared to Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. So I'm a little bit skeptical, skeptical of Cancelo. I know you have him in your team. Am I talking utter nonsense? Is he just an incredible asset and I'm just overthinking things? Look, I mean, uh, this is a nice segue to the table that we've put up here. And, and for, the, for the listeners, this is basically XGI created by all defenders since the beginning of the season. Um, and so you have Trent at the top with an XGI of 30, almost 13. This basically means that he should have had 13 goals and assists 
uh, goals plus assists over the season, and he's got 13. So he's actually just matching his XGI for the season. Second, you have Cancelo, and he's at, he's at 7.7. He should have had 7.7 goals plus assists. He's got six, so he's actually underperforming his, his XGI by about two. Uh, then you have Regulion, you have James, you have Robertson. So all the guys who, who you'd expect to be there, obviously Regulion will have minutes issues once Sessegnon is back. But these are the guys. I mean, this is the re- reason people are talking about Trent, Cancelo, James, and Robertson is because these are the four guys at the top. Now, to your point, Laporte isn't too bad, actually. He's got an XGI of four, and he's also underperforming his XGI by about one. So he should have had, um, you know, he sh- he. Sh- Sorry, am I going to read this? Yes, he's got three goals and assists, and he should have had four. So I don't think Laporte is that bad, but personally, I think Cancelo is the one to get. It's interesting, though, because the, the underperformance is coming from the assists, so it's presumably a teammate that's let, let him down. I just find yeah. it fascinating that he's got three goals and Cancelo's got one, when yeah. Cancelo's had like 20 more shots than Alexander-Arnold in the entire season, so crazy i i think laporte's probably a decent a decent option but i mean we talked about this on monday as well like cancelo is an absolute bonus magnet he's so involved in the attacking play and that's going to earn him bonus points so yeah there's definitely a counter argument for it but i think i'm shopping in the bargain aisle with with laporte i think yeah no I, look you can't fault it he's the highest center back in the list and this is all season despite the fact that he wasn't playing all the games i mean i know this season he's been a favorite back again after last season but in terms of centre-backs, they're as good as it gets with Laporte. But coming back to replacements, so there's people who are saying, look, we're on wildcard, or they may choose. Look, there's a risk appetite point as well. Some people are chasing. They're at 150K. They just go, <clears throat> look, we're going to back against Trent. This is going to be a theme with Salah as well. And they just go, look, this is endgame. We have to take a risk, and we we will happily accept the punishment if we're wrong. But what if we're right? So they've decided to sell Trent. They're picking now. They've got all the money in the bank. They're picking between Cancelo, James, and Robertson. What are your thoughts just on these three? I think if Reese James is fit, I think he has to be the priority for me because Chelsea's next two games in particular are very appealing. I think it's Brentford and is it Southampton in, in 32. Um, both teams pretty poor for big chances conceded. Reese James is absolutely electric form when he's not injured. Um, Robertson has Watford, which is an absolutely fantastic fixture, but then he has City. So I think Reese James over the two, the next two, is probably the priority. And equally so, City have uh, Burnley and then Liverpool. So one good, one bad. Um, I would rank the City options as the least priority. Um, I would go uh, Rudiger or, or Reese James first and then Robertson. Um, the, the scary thing is that when we look at game week 31 in isolation, Liverpool and City have absolutely huge upside because Burnley and Watford are absolutely fantastic fixtures. And we have lots of players to get rid of, Praz. We have lots of Wolves, lots of uh, Villa and lots of Leeds players to get rid of. Do you think there's a temptation to rush these transfers? Because we suddenly all panic that we need to bring all of these Liverpool, City and Chelsea players in. We need them all and we need them now. What is your um, attitude to that? Does, do we think we need to be a little bit more uh, cautious? I think you can phase it out. I mean, to be honest, uh, I mean, Dean has a decent fixture against Wolves this week. Uh, I mean, 
Rafinha has very good fixtures over the next two. Um, so I, I don't think the answer is you have to rush it. But look, there is obvious upside to it. And to the extent you can get to some of these transfers, you should. And this also brings back to the discussion on if you have all these other problems in your team, why are you looking to sell Trent or Salah? I mean, come on, you should be looking to sell Kilman or Saiz first. Um, so, so assuming you don't have those problems, then sure. So it comes back to, um, you know, is Trent a buyer, uh, is a hold or a sell? If you have other problems and you're going to be taking hits down the line and you're going to bring back Trent later, it's just something you don't need to be dealing with. I mean, identify the two weak spots in your team. If you need to take a hit, take a hit for those two weak spots. And if that gets you a premium defender, great. Uh, don't be taking those hits for Weghorst or any other Everton uh, player. Don't be taking those hits for Newcastle or Man United players, at least now. Uh, you have time and you don't need to get any of these guys. I mean, I slightly disagree with you on the James one only because of minutes. I mean, if 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 Thomas Tuchel comes back and says he's he's completely looking fit and he you know he's good and he doesn't have this narrative. You remember the last time he was that you know we have to see his output and how much he's um, I don't know what the word he used was basically how how much he's ready to play and if he's again very coy then that basically it rings alarm bells because is he the guy who plays against Real Madrid or not? And by the way, Zoff in yesterday's Wire uh, thinks that actually he won't play Real Madrid, or he may not play because that's an Aspilicueta game. In that case, people who own James are quids in because then he'll probably play the league game instead to get his fitness back. So yeah, huge, uh, huge caveat. And um, I think most of these um, decisions we're making, we need to we need to hear from the, the pressers. We need to hear from the managers to hear about these fitness concerns. And my caveat about James was if he's completely fit, he would be my number yeah. one priority. But yeah agree with you if if his expected minutes are low you know all three of these teams have champions league matches coming up in the next couple of weeks rotation is going to be rife and the most injured players are going to be most at risk so yeah completely agree with that um if if reese james is is expected to be rotated quite often and the minutes aren't certain then robertson would would go to the the priority for me yeah and i think last word on liverpool people considering trent to robo i think that's the wrong move simply because I think we're struggling for a third Liverpool now. And if you want a third Liverpool for the run-in, for me, it's Trent and Robbo, not Trent or Robbo, uh, because, you know, you should you should have the funds uh, if you wanted to go big at the back to have both of them. So if you can get to a Robertson without selling Trent, I think that's obviously the better option. You need to find the funds at some point. There's no getting away from it. And you're not selling Kane or you're not selling Salah. So generate those funds now. Exactly that. So if I ask you the same question, who would be your priority after the three or four players? Um, Cancelo, Reese James, Robertson, even Laporte or Rudiger? Um, I think for me, Cancelo is number two after Trent, um, simply because you have the best attacking threat and the best defensive uh, with the best defensive team. So if he doesn't do anything against Burnley, you walk away with six points. If he does one, if he gets one assist, you get a 10 pointer, right? So that's that's the positive on Cancelo. I don't I don't hate the Laporte shout actually. You, I, I've seen here the data is there to back him. He's pretty nailed as well. So I think if he wanted to downgrade, either a, so a Robertson to a Matip is not as good as, as a Cancelo to Laporte. So I, I I can I can see the merit, but if you have the money, I think for me Cancelo is the second best defender in the game. The XGI in the in the table here shows that. The eye test shows that just, I mean, I would I would go for Cancelo as my number two. Um, 
between James and Robertson, it comes down to an X-Minutes issue. I mean, if 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 James is fit, I mean, he's number one. He's he's probably ahead of even Trent if he was if if he was playing, you know, week in, week out like Trent is. And then Robertson, I think these are the four guys to get. And for me, that would also be the order of of getting them. I mean, look at Robertson and James's overperformance on XGI. They they have an XGI of five and a half and five, respectively. They've they've got uh, Reese has got 11 goals plus assist and Robertson has got 10. Now, they're good enough to do that. But imagine if Alexander Arnold was overperforming by five, he'd be on 18 goals plus assist right now. So it's just ridiculous. I mean, have they been lucky? I don't know. But the data suggests that they've done better than they should have. I think I don't think they've been lucky. I think that they're just efficient with the chances that they create or the chances they have themselves. I think Trent has numerous of uh, like attacking outputs like crosses or shots from outside the box that just shoot over the bar that aren't really any threat to anything, but also increases XGI a little bit and then even out the uh, overperformance. So I, I don't think that Trent is any worse than Reese James or Robertson. I think he just has a little bit more of those superfluous attacking outputs that Robertson and James don't. They're just much more efficient with what they what they create. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And by the way, the last thing here that I notice is Rudiger is way down uh, and, and not even compare, I mean, not not that far off, but still, I think Laporte is a better shout for for less money uh, than a Rudiger. A lot of people did go uh, Rudiger for that double game week twenty eight, and going forward for the run in, I think um, you know I think Laporte over Rudiger sounds better just in terms of um, you know the City still playing for the league. So I, I like the Laporte shout, and that's one good takeaway. Another thing that we haven't really talked about um, yet is. We're talking about a lot of premium defenders that we need to fit in our side. And a a big question, a big toss up for all of us managers over the next few weeks is to decide whether we want to go big at the back or big in midfield. And we talked about this before we came on, Praz, but four or five big, you know, big names in your midfield is almost going to be equally as um, profitable as going big at the back. So that's a big question, whether you hedge between some of these big defenders and some of the um, mid-price midfielders, or whether you go big in midfield or just big at the back, that's a question you need to weigh out for yourselves. Absolutely, and you you hit the nail on the head. So um, Gaurav Mehta asks, what's the best back line for the rest of the season? Uh, and then you also have Tommy Tran saying, uh, are we trending towards the big, uh, going big, uh, big at the back for the home stretch from Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, Tottenham. So, if you were wildcarding today, Ted, what's your what's your back five? If I was wildcarding today, I I would I would give a lot for a wildcard today. By the way, because um, <laughs> I've been I've been tinkering a lot. I'm going blimey. I need to do seven or eight transfers to fix this team, and that's that's awful. Um, but we're loading up with all of these big hitters. You know, we have Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, all to fit in our sides. Um, it's crazy. So I think the current template uh, that I've come up with at the end of those seven or eight transfers involves uh, Trent, Laporte and Reese James in a back three. And then Salah, Saka, Foden, Havertz and the likes of Madison or Barnes. And then a Lacazette and Kane up front with fodder like Gilhart. Um So that's what I quite like. Um, but equally so, you could go away. You couldn't. You don't have to go Havertz. You could go Robertson instead and have a cheaper uh, guy in midfield. I think there's a variety of options, but I think that's probably what I would edge towards. 
Yeah, I think you made an excellent point in terms of you have to hedge between your fourth mid um, versus your fourth defender if you want to go bigger in in either of them. Uh, I mean, personally, I would I would just think the defenders are so much more value this year. Um, I mean, I I do trust Foden. I love him. I, I, I'm a little bit more lukewarm on Havertz, but I can see the appeal for going to those guys. Personally, my backline would be the, the four guys we see here, which is which is Trent, Cancelo, James, and Robertson. You have them, you keep them for the rest of the season. They will, Whenever they will play, they will get you points. So, um, I mean, I was, I was talking to Sam last week, and James has been my best transfer in. I got him on the game week seven wildcard when he went mad for like four games. When everyone else went for him, then he went on a string of one-pointers. And then I got him for the game with 28. So that, you know, for me, a backline is just more dependable. The counter argument to that is there's Doherty, which is, who's putting up great numbers, obviously not defensively as good, but attacking wise, who's putting up great numbers. You have the Arsenal guys, again, defensively very reliable. Uh, Tierney is less attacking this season, or at least more recently, but still, I mean, dependable guy, or you go white, you can make an argument for going white and Doherty as your two very solid fourth and fifth defenders and then put more money in midfield so i see i see both sides of it for me the the back line that you've just named you know alexander arnold cancelo reese james robertson is just so good uh on, on paper it just it just seems like every time we talk about doherty or tierney or whoever it seems like those players are just the temporary ones that we have to play before we get in these really good premium defenders so they don't even come come close do they really um and let's not forget that aston villa have some really really good fixtures from game week 34 so if you can hold on to the likes of Dina, who you know he's 5.1 million he's quite a lot to keep but if you can keep him until game week 34 then he's decent he's a decent option to hold on because i think aston villa have potential double game week around that time as well don't they Praz? they do they do they i think and it'll be a good one as well um, in in 34 or 35. I mean, if it's 35, it's... Uh, I mean, Burnley will be involved in one of them, which in itself makes it very good. They play Burnley again in 35, uh, and I think they have another pretty easy game. So I think Villa is a team that people will go for. This was my thing. Uh, uh, I'll come to my bus team later, but I've ended up selling Dean. But if I had the luxury, uh, and it didn't include selling Trent, for example, I would have definitely liked to keep Dean. And people with Ramsey... Don't just jump on Gordon that easily because, look, Ramsey is going to have a very nice double coming up in 34 or 35. And we'll actually have Leicester, Leicester away in 34. They have Norwich at home in game week 35 and possibly Burnley. And then in game week 36, they again have Burnley and, and probably Liverpool. So Villa's fixtures will, are very, very good from game week 34 onwards. But as you said, it's a complete luxury in able to, to keep Coutinho or Dina. They've just yeah. quite a lot of money and you want some of, some of these better players. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. So that's that's on defenders. I see one comment from FPL Trini, uh, Nick, uh, who's um, who's very active on Twitter as well. He's asking, would you go Laporte instead of Cancelo? So I think Ted answered this. He's leaning towards this. I am not. So there's no one answer that we can give you, Nick. Uh, it's it's more dependent on where you what you can do with that money if you save it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I've got Lacazette in my team, but I could equally have Veghorst instead, and that would mean a Laporte Cancelo upgrade. It really just depends what your team structure is like, and you know making unnecessary moves can give you the money to make to get Cancelo. But if you don't have that luxury, then Laporte is perfectly fine. Excellent. Okay, let's let's move on to the next topic then. So hopefully we covered defenders 
to a certain extent. I mean, I can see, for example, Tommy Gunn is asking, would you take hits to catch up with the defensive template? I think there is no template right now. You will not see these guys at very high ownership right now. If you can get to them, fine. If you can get them, you know, because of your team structure earlier, fine. But if you can't, it's not the end of the world. You don't have to be scared of the defensive template. Nobody, not many people have the big defenders yet. Um, we'll see my busting later. Um, <laughs> okay, so the next the next topic is, and I was surprised initially to see this, uh, which is a lot of people were saying, shall we just you know ditch Salah? Salah looks tired. He hasn't scored, uh, I think, an open play goal for... Uh, six or seven game weeks, I think since Norwich uh, that he got in that double game week, he's only scored penalties or otherwise not not been involved. He's obviously missed the games from AFCON as well. But question from FPL Overthinker, uh, he can do Salah to Mane to enable KDB and Kane. And there's not too much, well, basically he'll go Salah to Mane now and then Mane to KDB. So there's not too much difference between Liverpool front two in the last six game weeks and the price differential will really get him another premium defender. So question for him. FPL MD, KDB over Salah for the rest of the season. What do you think? And uh, I have somebody whose name I can't pronounce. Um, would you consider KDB over Salah for the next three game weeks? Given the fixtures, possible rotation for Salah in game week 31, extra funds can make a defender to James or Cancelo. So everyone basically has similar ideas. Do you want Salah plus a Saiz plus a KDB or a James or Cancelo? So very interesting Question, your early thoughts, Ted? My my early thoughts when I read this was going to be a topic was going, what? How How is how is anyone going to consider that? But, I mean, we've got a graphic up here on screen which, which shows the comparison between KDB and Salah. Uh, KDB is actually on the left and um, Salah's on the right. Uh, and the scout comparison tool suggests that KDB is a, like, three times better option than Salah, which is kind of crazy. And I think quite a lot of the stats um, that they measure that on are things like starts and sub-ons and all of these all of these sort of other measures. But when you look at the XG that Salah has, I think it's like nine point something compared to two point something for, for KDB. That sort of puts everything into perspective. But having said that, going back to the questions, there is some credence in some of these. We are really strapped for cash at the moment. We want to fund all of these premium players. We probably have a squad of 14 or 15 legitimate players rather than fodder because we've been bench boosting over the last few weeks. We've been trying to navigate some blank game weeks. We're going to try and move away from that by bringing some fodder in. But every transfer you make to bring in fodder seems like a wasted one, doesn't it? So we need some cash to spend to upgrade to all of these premium options. I'm not sure it's like the best idea in the world to go uh, without Salah. I can't believe I'm saying this, Um, but (laughs) I kind of get where they're coming from. Personally, it's a big no-no. The fact that you can captain Salah. Uh, most weeks, uh, even with his lack of form recently, it's just, you know, it's comforting to me. Like Salah's the main man at Liverpool. He's the main source of points. KDB is not the main source of points at Man City. And when those teams are going head to head for the rest of the season, I'd much rather have Salah in my team. Yeah, yeah fully agree with you. Uh, yeah, look, th- this is the thing. When you're reaching end game, you can't fault anyone for going with any strategy. I mean, last game week of last season, I was, um, I think, 16 points behind top 10K. Um, And basically, I just went for Mane 
against Salah's 180% captaincy. Last last game week of the season, Mane scored a brace. Uh, Salah had a blank. I, I was two, two points short of ten, top 10k, but still. In the end game, if you need to chase, if you need to get to a goal where you have to, <clears throat> it's fine. But you should know that this is a high-risk, high-reward strategy. Salah will be heavily owned, and uh, KDB has an ownership of less than 1% right now. So you're basically putting all your chips in. If it works, then you'll then you'll fly. If it doesn't, then you'll probably double your rank. So basically, that's the simple way of looking at it. If we come to the table itself, so you know it's a little bit of like you mentioned when you look at it on the face of it, KDB has much better key metrics, and the key metrics are you know passes, chances created. But ultimately, it comes down to how much XGI do you have because all of these things should come down to what is your output, and the output. Salah has started, so I'm talking about the table now for the listeners. Salah has had eight starts since game week 18. KDB has had 11. And in that time, Salah has an XG of 9. KDB has an XG of 2.4. So you're basically getting the guy who in three less starts has three times more goal threat. And basically with that comes, it encapsulates everything. The talismanic nature of him, the fact that Liverpool are an attacking team. And mind you, this season Liverpool have been more attacking than Man City. We tend to think of Liverpool as this machine which are efficient but this is the first season where Liverpool are doing much better even from an attacking point of view so look you've got a nailed guy on pens for a team that is the most attacking team in the league it really screams as overthinking unless he's injured unless you know you get you get a credible leak uh, before Watford that Salah is out fine but you're just basically playing with fire if you do that that's that's the ultimate yeah, I mean, our job in FPL is to predict what is going to happen in the future, right? And we're looking at Salah and KDB here. We're looking at what's happened. They've both both got five goals in the last... Is this since game week 18, this table? Um, so the, the type of chances that Salah has compared to KDB, like Salah, all of his chances are big chances. They're much easier to convert. KDB has like eight small chance goals this season with with a conversion rate of five percent. So that is much less likely to happen happen going going forwards than Salah with penalties with big chances. I'd much rather bank my money on Salah converting those goals compared to to a KDB. And it kind of shocked me when I saw that KDB only had three assists this year. I, I could not believe that. And I was like, right, are City scoring fewer goals? This year, and I actually look through um, the last few seasons, just looking at how many goals they've scored in each match, and the proportion is exactly the same as last year. The same amount of, of one goal scored in a match, same amount of two, same amount of three, same amount of four. So it's not like City is scoring fewer goals. KDB is just not. I know he's been injured for a, for an extent of the season, has to be said, but three assists is just nowhere near what we would expect from him. Yeah, I mean he's just not. As central, I mean that's how good City are. That Bernardo Silva is is having a stormer of the season, of a season. Wherever, whenever Sterling plays or Foden plays, I mean those guys are doing exceptionally well. Whenever Mares plays, the the chances are being created from everybody. It's not just KDB like it was two years ago, where he was the guy creating, giving, you know, putting in that cross which Aguero was getting at the end of, or Sterling was getting at the end of. I just think that the whole format has changed. So. He's fine. I think KDB is a great option. I, we talked about last week in the video that, you know, in game week 36 for the double, you probably want KDB over a Kane, maybe. 
but Kane is on fire himself. So look, we're we're in a position we haven't been in all season where there's three premiums putting their hand up and saying, look, we want to be in your team. And I think we both agree right now, probably Salah is is over KDB. Yeah, 100%. Ignore the recent form. Salah is a world-class player. He's going to get that form back, especially when Liverpool are in a massive title race battle with Man City. Yeah, yeah. And, and the only one thing I would say for KDB, a lot of people, if Salah is out of Watford, KDB, the big game player, I mean, he does tend to... In my memory, I have so many games where KDB has come up with a 1-0 win against a Chelsea or a Liverpool, where it's KDB's goal just outside the box or him making a late run. He is a big game player. Um, so you back a KDB, would you, over over Salah in a City-Liverpool game? It's a really good question. I mean, he scored two against Man United in the Manchester derby recently. That just says it all. Yeah. Um I don't know, you could equally say that about Salah at the start of the season when he was on fire, he was scoring against everyone, Chelsea, City, he obviously got a penalty against City um, and that's a huge string to his bow, the penalty options because there's a huge amount of Liverpool players that can win penalties for their side. So uh, it's a really difficult question. Yes, I think KDB is a big game player but I'm not 100% sure that we can rely or even predict that that's going to happen more regularly than Salah would be at the end of a big chance. So yeah, I'm still going to back Salah. I think I think we're in agreement here. Uh, we can move to the next topic. Uh, and the next topic is a very interesting one. And it plays into something you were talking about, Ted, which is if you're not going big at the back or you, you, know, you may not have the funds or you may have a different preference. We've all been talking about City and Chelsea picks, City and Chelsea picks in midfield. And the names get thrown out, which is Foden, Havertz, Mount. So Luke, which is at FPL Luke 23, He's simply asking Foden, Havertz or Mount. And uh, FPL Anfield is asking best Liverpool assets, three assets from Liverpool and the three Man City assets to own. And then Dan Parsons is uh, is asking, are Chelsea or City the higher priority in terms of their attackers? So you mentioned that you're looking at uh, Havertz and Foden. So I'm going to put you on the spot and say, if you only had space for one, who is the priority and why? If it only had space for one, I would start with Havertz over the next three and then switch to Foden from game week 34 when City's fixtures just explode. That I'm really scared with, without going any City assets from game week 34 because they play some of the worst sides uh, in the league. Whereas Havertz is in really good form at the moment. He scored four and I think his last three matches. All of them have been big chances because he's playing as that false nine. He's been really efficient. Uh, at scoring those goals. Yes, there is an argument to say that he could play in the Champions League games and Lukaku could come in in the Premier League. And that is definitely one downside. Uh, And in the back of my head, I'm going, do I need to prioritise Havertz because of that worry? Um, I think sometimes we overthink these things in this game because we have been on the bad bad, um, experience in the past um, when suffering for these. But that's an outcome. We need to make logical decisions and ignoring an informed player who has decent fixtures just because of a hunch of rotation. You know, it, I don't know whether that's completely optimal. So, yeah, I would go Havertz first and then Foden. Um, would you do you concur with that? What do you think about the Havertz um, into rotation worry? Do you think we're silly for um, thinking like that? Uh, City play, uh, sorry, Chelsea play Brentford, obviously in game week 31. Then the midweek, they have Real Madrid, 
Then they play Southampton game week 32. Then they have the Madrid away tie um, in, in, in between game week 22 and 33. 32 and 33. Then they have the Crystal Palace FA Cup semi-final. Then they have Arsenal. So this is basically the, the schedule that they have until end of game week 33. Now, I would expect Havertz to definitely play Arsenal, definitely play Madrid, the two Madrid games. Maybe Lukaku, and we're just guessing here, right? I mean, maybe Lukaku gets the Palace uh, FA Cup game. So then you are saying Havertz will play at least Arsenal plus one of Brentford and Southampton. That's that's basically it. And if you get two games out of him, I think that's that's good enough. He's The good thing with Havertz is he's going to either play up top or he also has space on the wings. Um, but now that Ziyech is back, Mount is fit, uh, I think I also saw Hudson Odoi fit. Pulisic is is fit. I mean, he scored that wonder goal over the international break. It's uh, uh, it's it's a difficult one, but I don't think we can predict rotation. I think standalone, I do agree with you that if he plays, he'll he'll have a better output than a Foden and even a Mount. So if I was to rank the three, but then if you go to the table now, just bringing again for the listeners, we've presented here for the whole season. Uh, basically all midfielders under 8.5 million. And this is XGI per 90 because there's a little bit of rotation with these guys. They don't always start. So we've looked at per 90 numbers. And Minamino, we're going to ignore. He's he's on top. We've obviously got, on a per 90 basis, this this guy just comes on, scores a couple of goals in his 30-minute cameos. Uh, So the next one is Jota. We all wish that we had the Jota comfort blanket, but I think Diaz has changed that. Fit Firmino has changed that. So we had our party with Jota. Uh, You have Gundogan, again, minutes risk. So let's move past the top three. After that, you have Foden at number four, an XGI per 90.67, which is actually very good. He's got 10 goals per assist for the season. Um, Then you have Mount, who's got 15 goals per assist for the season, but a lower, a slightly lower XGI than than Mount. You then have Rafinha at 0.56. You have Saka at 0.54. Bowen at 0.52, Grealish, Martinelli at almost 0.5. And then way down, I think number 13 is Havertz at 0.46. So this is, I mean, there's not much between a 0.46 per 90 and a 0.58 for Mount. But the fact of the matter is just from a statistical point of view, Mount is doing better. So he's on free kicks on some corners. He's now fit. Why not Mount over Havertz? Uh, I don't know. I I love Mason Mount because he scored that hat-trick and an assist in one game I owned him uh, earlier in the season after suffering such tremendous rotation and injury woes with him. So he really, really compensated with me uh, in that game. But I mean, that's probably saying it all. He really does earn his FPL points in bursts and he's not a consistent performer. He, He hasn't been for a very long time at Chelsea. And I thought that would change actually with Lukaku coming into the side. I thought that Mount's creativity would be uh, rewarded and converted a lot more than it it has been. So, yes, I think Mount's a fantastic player, but I think Havertz playing at number nine, where he's going to get more big chances, I would always opt for for Havertz uh, right now. Obviously, I could get proven wrong, but I think... Yeah, Mount hasn't proven the consistency or is in actually that good a form at the moment. So, yeah. And do you think their X, X minutes are similar? Do you, do you consider Mount to be more nailed? It's really difficult to say. I, I'm definitely not the person to ask about Chelsea because they've got so many forwards options to 
to really cater for this really hectic schedule, like City, like Liverpool too, like all the top teams, uh, the Pulisic, the Ziyech, the Hudson-Odoi's, the Saul, you know, these guys can all come in and do a job in a in a, a mid-link fixture in the Premier League. So I think the expected minutes is, yeah, probably about the same, to be completely honest. I think Mount is probably better in his position, more important in his position than maybe Havertz is uh, as a number nine. Um, and I'm not sure Havertz uh, really can be versatile and go into a different position to accommodate a Lukaku or a Werner. Um, so I think Mount probably does have the advantage there. But then when Havertz does play, I think he's a better option. I, I agree with a lot of that. I think so. These guys at uh, Above Average FPL, they did a pod on Monday where they actually looked at the data for these teams, these top teams, top six teams from game week one to game week 30. They obviously had a more nuanced version where they compared it to earlier seasons as well. But I think the one takeaway I had from this is on an attacking point of view, there's two tiers. Tier one, City and uh, and Liverpool are well above everyone in terms of their data for just attacking output. And then you have a very uh, similar tier. So Chelsea, I would put more as similar to Arsenal, similar to Spurs even. Uh, even United, they're all very similar in terms of attacking data over the season. So when we think of a Havertz, we have to compare him. Is he worth it compared to a Saka, a Martinelli? Um, a you know, I think United assets are too expensive, and that's a problem. Maybe Sancho, uh, and then a Foden, and that's where I think it comes into it. We think of Chelsea as a top three team, but here they're a tier two team. In defense, it's the opposite, where Chelsea, City, Liverpool are all are all elite defenses. And so you can compare a James to a Cancelo, to a Trent, to a Robertson. But I think here, this is why I sort of prefer a Foden. Now, I do understand your point, which you mentioned, which is City just have so many players and, you know, they just have so many attackers that will get the points. But if you close your eyes and look at XGI data and you say, despite all of that, Foden is just a little bit more involved. Um, and, you know, ultimately, for me, that's why he would be the number one pick. But a lot of FPL comes down to prediction of minutes. And these are all midfielders that may or may not play the game. You'll always be looking out for that team sheet and say, is he, the, is he in the starting 11? You have, this is the skill in FPL. You have to make that prediction. There's no right answer, right? So I think what one element we haven't really talked about is when we manage our FPL teams, we're talking about priorities at the moment, who to transfer in first. We've had a lot of doubts here in this segment about expected minutes. So maybe the best option is to hold on to our players like Rafinha, who has two very decent fixtures in Southampton and I think it's Watford, um, and then and then blanks in 33. So you can get rid of him in after 33, but maybe bring Foden and Havertz or whoever you want from this list from game week 33, from game week 34, where there's plenty of double game weeks on the horizon for these teams and prioritise maybe some really nailed on defenders instead. I think that's probably what I'm edging towards. But nevertheless, I think these guys are really going to import, going to be important for us in the next few weeks. Um, but we can't get them all right now. We have to order them, right? Indeed, indeed. Uh, I think I think I completely agree with you. And you saw that the, the Rafinha's, Martinelli's, Saka's, uh, I mean, Kulichevsky isn't here because this is obviously, um, you know, it, it, he hasn't, I think I filtered for 10 games or something. So you won't see your Kulichevsky's or um, other good midfielders that have played limited amount of minutes like Diaz. 
but they're all they're all there. Uh, so I think there's a lot of options in midfield. We're blessed this season for all the complaints we have about the forwards. We're blessed in the midfield area. So we have to be very smart about the people we're going for because there you are losing an opportunity cost for someone else. So you need to think about really um, who who are the guys you go for. And I think option value of time, which is just waiting for that week, if you're holding on to one of these assets, is 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 probably the right play. I really want Minamino as my third Liverpool man, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we wish, we wish. Yeah. I mean, not not for, from a Liverpool fan's point of view, but uh, you know, if you didn't have Jotas and Diaz's of the world, then Minamino is the natural choice. <laughs> I think he's seventh on the list out of seven forward spots. So yeah. Right, unfortunate right. excellent so we leave it there on the midfield chat i think we you think it's your order is havertz foden mount i think for me it's foden havertz mount is that fair i would agree with you if i didn't have the opportunity to go havertz and then foden if i just right. had to pick one for the rest of the season yeah i agree with you it would be foden okay excellent all right moving on to the next one and this is a very short one um it's a simple point that we wanted to make so there were actually a few people, and kudos to the Twitter community, a lot of people who are engaged FPL managers. So many people are in the top 100. So I test Dave, shout out to him. Uh, he reached out and he said, I'm in the top 100. Who do I take for a punt if I want to win FPL? And that's a good question. Uh, I mean, why not? And and these are the people who should be looking at maybe going a KDB instead of a Salah, maybe selling Trent, because... No one's going to care if you end up 700, but people will know if you finish in the top 10 or even even win it. So it's a simple one. Uh, It is ridiculous how low-owned Man City assets are. I mean, this is from Live FPL. Look at the ownership for for, uh, City defenders. The highest is Cancelo, as you'd expect, about 16%. After him, nobody is over 1% owned. Laporte is 0.88%. Stones 0.6, everyone else is zero or just about zero. Edison himself is 0.06. Now, I'm not suggesting Edison is the best keeper, but basically, if you're even one Cancelo, you're way ahead of everyone. And now some will get this week, um, but if you've got two City defenders, man, I mean, you've got the best defense and that's a differential in itself. You don't even need to force it. Then come to midfield. You've got Foden as the highest owned midfielder from City at 0.6%. I mean, it's incredible that a, a, you know, the, the leaders of the league, just because they didn't have any doubles and they had a blank in game week 30, you could get a Foden now, <clears throat> you could get a KDB who's 0.2% in ownership. And, uh, and, and, and basically, that's how you will rise in the ranks. And forwards, I'm not going to talk about. There are none. Uh, but everyone else is basically 0.2 or below. I mean, does that shock you? I mean, did you expect this? This is just, this is absolutely bonkers. I, I It's not bonkers for when you when you think about it, that Man City has not been on the front of our minds with all of the double game weeks that all of these teams have had in, in previous weeks. And obviously they didn't play in 30. So it doesn't surprise me from that perspective. And it also emphasizes to me that even though in my head I'm going, I need lots of Man City assets immediately, the expect the effective ownerships here really just calm me down and go you're not going to fall behind there's plenty of people almost 99 percent of people in a similar rank to you are probably in the same position um you're just going to whittle away and get them when you can 
and it's all going to be fine. I remember when Cancelo was around 97% effective ownership. Foden was around 60-70%. That's when you needed to worry. That's when you needed... That's when you were going to worry where the red arrows were going to come. You don't need to worry about those yet. Yes, this is, these effective ownerships are going to rise over the next two or three game weeks, uh, but I don't think you need to rush. And that's really nice and calming <laughs> to think about. Totally with you. Totally with you. Look, I see some comments in the chat that it's logical why they're so lowly owned. There's been uh, you know, limited doubles. There's a lot of rotation. But look, we've always gone for City assets. That's the challenge. You have to go for the City assets despite the rotation because they just score more goals. Uh, they're more productive. They are the best defensive team in the league. They're the second best attacking team in the league. And if you can play Pep Roulette and you can win, then that's how you climb in the ranks. So we're trying to answer the question on if you really wanted to accelerate for the last eight weeks, there's no team other than City that you should look at. Um, forget about the fact that they play Liverpool next week. Just punt on them. I think uh, later as I put out a tweet a couple of days ago, go for KDB for the rest of the season. You'll definitely get points. I think the order here by each position is particularly appropriate because I, I think, you know, you've got Edison, you've got Cancelo Laporte, you've got Foden and De Bruyne. What do they all have in common? They have been the highest participants, the highest expected minutes for these City sides. And people have it right. If you're going to go for City options, you've got to go for the highest expected minutes. Foden has been really, really prevalent in that side over the season. And I think at 7.8 million, I think he is now. He's like the most obvious option for me um, to go alongside one one City defender or even two. Um, but yeah, really, really sensible. I, I wouldn't be starting going for crazy uh, pet roulette options like Mares, who, yes, he's great, but you're never going to know when he's going to play. And I, that's kind of a cop out because there's plenty of good predictors out there. Luke and Emma are on Twitter. They've done a really good job predicting prep this year. Um, so if you want to pay prep, pet roulette, yeah, get involved in all of that. But if you if you want an easy life, <laughs> chose one of those five players. Exactly. I, I think you made an excellent point there. You don't have to be scared of City assets. A lot of people are selling trend for Cancelo because everyone is buying Cancelo. He's not going to be that high owned. Go for him if you think he's the better choice and he you want to keep him long term and you have no other issues. So let's move on from here. Um, I think we can go next to a topic again, which was popular in, in our Q&A. So in glorious FPL, he says, um, I plan to bench boost in 33. I currently have David De Gea and Ramsdale. I obviously want to cut one of them down. Who should it be? Uh, Kif says Pope, Pickford or Schmeichel for the rest of the season. And Craig Smith asks, who would the best two keepers uh, be uh, on a wildcard 31 or a wildcard 34? So what we've done for the, uh, for the listeners is we've basically just jotted down who are the popular keepers and when do they expect to double. So you have Ramsdale, who is expected to double in 33 and 36, Pickford in 31 and 36 and 37, Schmeichel in 33, 36 and 37, Mendy in 35 and 36, Pope in 31, 33 and 34. So a couple of things jumped out to me. Number one, if you're on wildcard, one idea is you just go Pope now until 34 and you switch to Mendy and you get a double in 31, 33, 34, 35, 36. I mean, ridiculous. The other option is you already have Ramsdale and you want to pair him with somebody else. And basically what you want to do is you want to avoid game week 33 and 36 because you'll definitely play Ramsdale in those weeks. The only week where you won't play Ramsdale is when somebody doubles. 
And so you, for me, the option is Pickford over Schmeichel here because Pickford, you'll get one extra week, which is this week, by the way, when Ramsdale already has an injury doubt. And you'll get game week 37 as a week where basically the two weeks where you won't want to play Ramsdale. Um, Schmeichel doesn't really work with Ramsdale, but if you wanted to go Pickford and Schmeichel, so let's say you were on, on wildcard uh, and you wanted to go for two keepers, uh, I think you'll get, if with Pickford and Schmeichel, you'll get a double in 31, 33, 36, and 37. Only issue being they both double in 36 and 37. But if you're on a bench boost, maybe that works. So this is very simply, and I know it's not just about the doubles, but the fact of the matter is doubles are just volume of shots that keepers get and keepers tend to do well in doubles. So your thoughts on this, Ted? Yeah, I, I think if I was wild carding, it would be it would be Pope. Um, Pope and wow, that Pope to Mendy move looks really nice, but it's a bit of a luxury, it has to be said. Like we we want to avoid making goalkeeper transfers at the best of times, but you know, if you're gonna target five, five double game weeks, that's that's pretty cool. And it, it means you can also, you know, not have a, a second goalkeeper uh, and spend the cash. Uh, elsewhere um another goalkeeper that hasn't been mentioned here is Dubravka obviously he he has a, a double in 33 but then nothing nowhere else so when you're going to dovetail him with the likes of Ramsdale uh isn't particularly useful um so it's it's really interesting like something I haven't really thought about actually because I own Ramsdale and Dubravka and kind of want to avoid making goalkeeper transfers but it just shows that if you do have the luxury of making one you can really benefit from plenty of double game weeks here. Yeah, I mean, people are looking at for in this exact spot are looking at a Pope move uh, because with if you if you had a Ramsdale and a Pope, now that's very expensive. But just for for argument's sake, I mean, you would get Pope's double in thirty one and the Pope double in thirty four, and then you play Ram, Ramsdale for the rest of the weeks. And the other thing with Pope is you get the Norwich game as well in thirty two in case Ramsdale isn't ready yet. Um, so I think it's it's pretty neat, but ultimately I think we have to emphasize uh, Everton, Leicester, Burnley are terrible teams. And do you really want to use those eight out of those eight precious transfers, one additional transfer on upgrading a Dubravka question mark? And, and by the way, I think Dubravka is back in training anyway, um, so you may not have a problem at all. Um, it's interesting though that forecasting double game weeks that even if you made even if you took a hit to transfer your second goalkeeper to the likes of Pope, you're going to earn that minus four back with some of the appearance points, the extra appearance points that he gets and presumably save points as well. But yeah, like you said, how much expectation can we have for clean sheets from some, certainly some of these, I mean, Pickford, Everton have been dreadful. Uh, even Schmeichel at Leicester, they, they haven't been keeping the clean sheets. Uh, Pope has a chance of, of keeping it down to a low scoring game. Um, but his doubles in 31, his double in 31 involves City. Uh, how many? It could be a negative point for all we know. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting topic. And, you know, if you're really on the upside chase, I would consider maybe taking a hit for trying to optimize a goalkeeper rotation with the double game weeks. Yeah, I, I think the whole don't make a goalkeeper transfer goes out of the window when it's multiple double game weeks being involved. So I wouldn't, I mean, personally, if I was in wildcard, my pick would be I would go Pope and Foster and basically just play Pope and then look to upgrade him to Mendy, even if it's for a hit. Because, again, people will not like it. But you remember from last week, we mentioned that Chelsea might have a very cramped up double in game week 37. Who's going to play both games in, in uh, two games in three days? Probably the goalkeeper. Maybe even not him. I understand Kepa could play one. 
but if there's anyone it could be the goalkeeper so for a short period of time i don't i don't hate the mendy move as well um, because you know we've talked about the fact that rudiger may not be as as good value as a laporte or anybody else if you really wanted to tap into chelsea you probably have no other choice than going for a james plus a mendy plus a havertz i, I don't think there's a fourth player Right, not but it's a really good point about the um, security of starts from Mendy because Chelsea's last th- four or five game weeks are absolutely fantastic yeah. and you don't want to be victim of rotation. So I kind of like it, to be honest. You're kind of making me think Maverick thoughts, Praz. It's awful. <laughs> That's the idea. We, we try to kind of make people question their decisions and then, uh, you know... Uh, I guess if if people can come away with these streams with some ideas, that's that's uh, job done. Absolutely. All right. So one, there's one question in the chat. Mark is asking: Is Ramsdale confirmed out? No, we don't know that yet. It could simply be a international uh, break injury. We haven't heard anything as, as far as I'm aware. So obviously, look out for press conferences. Even if he's out, please don't sell Ramsdale. He's the best goalkeeper in the game, and you know I don't take views. Uh, such radical views easily, but Ramsdell is the best goalkeeper for the, his price in the game because he gets saves, he gets bonus, he's playing for an elite defense, and he's cheap, especially people who had him early on. So, sell the other keeper if you have to. If Ramsdell is out, not Ramsdell. I re- I think um, if they're both out, if they're both confirmed out, it kind of puts further credence into taking a hit to to move to some of these rotations uh, for the yeah. double game week. So yeah, I'd be even more tempted in that situation. But let's see what the the managers say excellent fair so that's that's it on um on on keepers let's move to the next topic and now we're coming close to the hour mark this was meant to be short so i apologize ted we can i we, i speak too much i'm sorry <laughs> it's all right so, it's, a, it's been a great discussion so yeah happy yeah. to continue on let's go all right let's do a few macro um and uh, and and uh, after macro we'll just do bus teams if, if that's fine so so after so on macro I have to emphasize, if you have questions about Wildcard 31, Wildcard 33, Free Hit 33, Free Hit 36, please watch last week's video. It's very relevant. Uh, We went through this topic in a lot of detail. But there's a couple of questions that I found interesting that I think we could could just uh, debate. So the first one was on Wildcard. Now, neither of us are on Wildcard, but um, Take It Easy um, is, is the poster. He's asking, in the previous pod, we spoke about a Game Week 34 Wildcard. Why is a 34 wildcard preferred over a 35 wildcard, which can be used in conjunction with a 36 bench boost? I think that's an interesting point. Um, I would, I, I'll, I'll take this one simply saying that look, there, there is no, there's no one week. You have to, um, you have to see how your team is looking. The reason people are looking at 34 is so that they can dead end the team to 33. So if you're not basically uh, free hitting in game week 33. You can do a cane to Ronaldo if you wanted. You can basically sell some key players. Even selling Salah and Trent, we talked about, you can probably sell them and then immediately get them back on 34. So that's why 34 is slightly better. But for only bench boost, I think definitely you you try to wildcard as close to the bench boost as possible. Do you agree, Ted? I, I think the Game Week 34 wildcard is probably even a little bit better than what you were saying because you can jump on board some of the big fixture swings as well particularly for Man City who play Watford and then Leeds and then Newcastle in 36 uh, coupled with an extra fixture so I think that extra sort of fixture Watford at home for City when you know we saw how low owned they were in an earlier section um, to get three City on a game week 34 wildcard is going to put you uh, way way ahead of everyone else. 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. I see Sonaldo in the chat. Hello, Sonaldo. Good to have you. I mean, you're not, you're still not sleeping, but uh, very good to have you in the chat as well. Um, I, I'm going to go to the next question, which is uh, by Kostub uh, Partswardhan. Uh, and he's saying, shall I play suboptimal 31 to 33 and then wildcard in 34 just for a better bench boost? Or shall I wildcard in 34, 31 and attack 31 to 33? I think attack, right? I don't mind the early wildcard, to be honest, because we know the bigger teams are going to um, have some decent doubles in 36 and 37. So if you don't mind ignoring some of the weaker teams that double in 33... I think it's perfectly legitimate. And I would be very tempted to do that if I was in your position. Right, right. I agree. I agree. Early, Don't be afraid of an early wildcard, man. I mean, this 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 year, this whole bench boost play, I mean, we've got good benches every week. I mean, if somebody wanted to bench boost this week by selling Trent, they could probably get, you know, take a hit and do a bench boost. I mean, they, you've got, pretty much everyone has two playing keepers. Pretty much everyone has a squad of 14 good players. You can do it any week. Don't stress too much. It's the main team. Main team gets you more points than those four idiots on your bench on one game week. Uh, I mean, don't fixate over that. And that's that's the strategy. Focus on the 11 for the weeks leading up to it. Of course, if you don't need to and your ideal team can be set up, you'll make a lot of profit if you wildcard close to it. But that shouldn't be driving your strategy. So completely agree. Um, Craig Smith is asking, is there merit to wildcard 33? Now, Craig, the problem in wildcard 33 is you'll be basically tempted to get in on a lot of doublers. And those doublers are not great teams with not great fixtures in the future. So I think this is an easy one. Wildcard 33 isn't the way to go unless you're basically going to load up on the single game weakers, in which case, why not 32 or 34? So you agree? Yeah, 100%. And it was exactly the same answer that I was planning to say. So yeah, exactly. If if you if you wildcard in 33, you'd almost have to just get City, Chelsea and and Liverpool and whoever, some of the big teams. But yeah, why not do it in 31 or 32? So um, yeah, I mean, 31 would even be better because City and Liverpool have Burnley and Watford. Uh, I know they play each other in 32 and that's probably why you're suggesting 33. But yeah, do it now if you really want to. Right, I agree. Um Okay, F FPL Escapades is, is asking quite a lot, and this is something you raised as well, Ted. Quite a lot of us own roughly two out, two or three out of Rafinha, Coutinho, Ramsey, Cody, Saiz, Jimenez, who blank in game week 33. Would you classify them as an immediate sell or wait? I'll, I'll put that to you. It really depends on the particular player you're talking about. Obviously, Jimenez, who is suspended for the next game, is an immediate sell for me, 100%. Um, you know, you've got the likes of Veghorst if you really want to go there, or you down him, downgrade him to fodder, and um, you've got pr plenty of cash to upgrade your, your uh, defenders and midfielders to some of these premium options. Rafinha is a hold for me for the next two. Absolutely fantastic fixtures. He's been missing a lot, but at least he's getting in the right positions. I can expect points for him in the next couple. Um, the other guys, the Villa and the Wolves defenders, they're a little bit more tricky. I would probably prioritise the Wolves defenders up to a premium defender first. If you can keep Dina and Coutinho or Ramsey until game week 34, then that would be a real luxury. Otherwise, um, those guys are, are an easy sell as well. Um, up to a, a premium mid or a premium defender. Yeah, so, yeah. I would agree. I, I would also agree that Wolves are probably the priority to lose, even though I'm, you know, mind you, in game week 34, they play Burnley. In game week 35, they play Brighton at home. 
They also have Villa now and Newcastle away. So it's not an emergency sell as well. But I think in priority, I agree with you because the problem is Wolves' number, defensive numbers are just very poor. I mean, I this is the reason in game week 30, I started Ramsdale over Saar because I didn't trust Wolves to even keep a clean sheet against Leeds. Ultimately, obviously, Saar ought to sub because thank you, Ramsdale. But I, I just don't trust the, the, uh, the, the Wolves' defense at all. And if you're not trusting that defense, you're not, you know, Jimenez is out anyway until game week 34. Those are guys that can leave your team. I don't think they need to stay. And and Villa is a luxury, like you said. If you can keep them, keep them. Otherwise, get rid of them. I think the Wolves guys, uh, their defense is sort of unraveling a little bit because we we've seen earlier in the season they've got they've had great defensive stats in terms of the goals that they've conceded, very few. But they've had a really high expected goals conceded and they've massively overperformed that. And earlier you could sort of say, yes, they've just got a knack for keeping clean sheets. But recently, that's completely been reversed and they're, they're performing as their expected numbers are suggesting. And it just completely puts you off if they, if they don't have the knack anymore for keeping clean sheets. They're a sell for me, even with the good fixtures. Excellent. Thank you so much. I think, I think we're at the end. We, I will take one last question which I saw in the chat. And, you know, ironically, we have a double game week next week and we haven't talked about a single player from the double game week. <laughs> Shall we spend one question on if somebody wants to, wanted to get one player from Everton Burnley in any position, who would that be for you? That's a really tough question because uh, there's a lot of people going their course this week and I get it. I get it. But I, I want to move money out of my forward line into midfielders and defenders hugely what we've been talking about this video so to to move some money in with Vegos, i know he's not exactly expensive and i know he's got three double game weeks in the next four or five weeks um i would be like playing huge devil's advocate here and suggesting going for like anthony gordon just from the fact that he can enable some of these other moves um but i'm just really not feeling this double game week whatsoever and i think if you want to avoid it completely which is probably what i'm gonna do then i think it's completely fine as well yeah i'm with you i think my perspective is if you're getting a player that releases some funds to enable a better player go for it uh, so for example we'll come to my bus team i was able to release some money from the forward line put it into defense so for me that justified a bag horse if your goalkeepers are injured both of them and you had the money going for a Pope is justified. I slightly favor Burnley to Everton only because of general trust in the team. I just don't think Lampard is doing enough with Everton. It, it may change. I mean, he 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 could do he could get better. I do agree with you. If you were to go Everton, Gordon is the only guy. Issue again is the midfield slot is a very crowded slot. Are you really going to waste a spot on Gordon? Uh, because you know, for example, if you had Ramsey and uh, Mihir is in the chat. I was talking to Mihir earlier today. He's looking to go Ramsey to Gordon. But then I pointed out that actually Ramsey will himself have a very, very good double in 34 in 35 or, or 35. Are you just going to be doing Gordon to Ramsey and Ramsey to Gordon uh, and wasting your precious transfers in doing that? So at least with Burnley, you get them. You get a double, Norwich, double, double. Just play the minutes. You get, you get something. Is it worth a transfer? Maybe not. But like I said, if you can release some money, maybe take out a bad player or a non-player for a player that has a lot of minutes, fair. I think that's that's doable. But there is a trap, and you'll see with my team, I'm, I'm benching good players to play Weghorst, 
and I'm not happy. I mean, it's not something that I, I, I'm happy doing, but it's, it's a trap we all fall into and we keep playing the game. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, he's playing Everton. Everton are really poor. Vegos has not played any minutes in the international break. He's ready to go. So that's where you go. But if I had to basically pick one, let's say I was in a free hit in game week 31, for me, the number one would be Pope. Would you, would you agree with that? I mean, he would probably be, even despite the fact that he's playing City, he's in for a few saves and he'll probably keep a clean sheet or maybe against Everton. Or, or do you think Gordon is probably better? No, I'd forgotten about Pope when I was giving my answer, actually. And I think that's, you know, what we, the conversation we were having earlier about the, the goalkeeper rotation, maximizing those double game weeks. I think, yeah, I would probably favor him over over even Veghorst or, or Gordon. Uh, I find, when you were saying about moving from... Um, Ramsey to Gordon you could throw Dewsbury Hall in there as well so yeah, I mean yeah. there's one thing worse than goalkeeper transfers and that's budget defender transfers <laughs> you don't want to be wasting time with those but yeah if we, if you brought in the likes of Gordon you would have to commit to playing like 5-4-1 or 4-4-2 and with such value in midfield it's a real downside isn't it so yeah if you if you want to maximize the double game weeks I think Burnley want want to target with Veghorst and and Pope um, but really, really reticent about bringing Veghorst to him, even with the additional fixtures. So, yeah, if you want to play a, a differ differential game and maximise those double game weeks at the back, at the goalkeeper, when, when we went through it, I, I really find that, you know, quite appealing, actually, especially with the with the yellow flags over Ramsdale and Dubravka at the moment. Yep, yep, agree with you. All right, we'll leave it there then. Um, there were so many other questions and obviously we couldn't go through all of them. We have actually also listed a few of them, but uh, unfortunately we couldn't go through all of them. But thank you for sending all your questions and your questions in the chat. I think we'll move to the bus team now, Ted. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we've got yours up. Um, so it's a 3-4-3. Three, three, and I must say, Praz, I'm pretty jealous of this team. How on earth did you get to this? Early transfers. I have to, my, my secret is this, this uh, international break wasn't as restful for me because uh, I had exact money for Dean and Jimenez to Cancelo and Weghorst. And Dean was about to drop, I think, three or four days ago. And I was like, if, if that happens, then I just can't make this move. And I didn't have any other move that wouldn't have required a hit. So I just went for it. So I've been pretty nervous, for example, last night when, when Cancelo was playing that very important game against North Macedonia. Vegors luckily didn't play, but then everyone else seems to have come through unscathed. And the other reason I, I went for the early transfer is I have a stacked bench. If Ramsdale isn't fit, I've got Saar to come in. Um, you know, if um, James isn't fit or Cancelo would have been injured, Doherty is sitting on the bench and I have Kulusevsky as well in case anything else happened. So... Um, my team for the listeners is Ramsdale in goal, Robertson, James, and Cancelo in defense. I've got Salah, Martinelli, Saka, and Rafinha in midfield. I've got Broha, Weghorst, and Kane in up front. And uh, as I mentioned on the bench, I have Sa in goal, Kulichevsky, Doherty, and Trent as my third sub. So it's a very stacked team. It's got 15 good players. Um, and what? yeah, I don't know yet. <laughs> Uh, who I'm benching between Kulusevsky and Broha, between uh, or even Doherty. And honestly, if somebody tells me to bench Weghorst for Kulusevsky, I won't, I won't, I won't hate it. So I need to decide. My team is an absolute shambles compared to that. I, I'm. <laughs> I, I know you've spent your two free transfers. I have two free transfers as well. So hopefully, you can give me some advice sorting mine out. But the fact yeah. that you've got Kulusevsky and Doherty in your bench 
It's really rubbing salt in the wounds, it has to be said. So yeah, no, absolutely fantastic team. It should be, you should be really happy about having this. Um, I guess, what, what are your moves for the future? Are you going to be moving funds to midfield at some point? This backline should basically not change unless there's an injury. So the idea is going forward, I'll save a transfer next week uh, and then decide if I how I want to shape this team. I could do a luxury move in game week 33 for a Kane to a Ronaldo. Now I'm not suggesting I want to do that, but maybe if I feel the captaincy, I might do that. But I'm very open because I'm, what I've done since game week 26 wildcard is basically I've sold players I don't want. I've sold only um, Wolves and Aston Villa players so far. And I've only bought players that I want, which is the, the you know, I've bought James, I've bought Cancelo, um, and obviously Weghorst is the exception here. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do, such that I'm keeping uh, a close uh, tab on people who are wildcarding, so I'm, I'm as well set up as them. And then ultimately, even with the free hit, I have no plan right now. I could sit on game week 32, and TA could still be out, Ramsdale could be out, and I may just go for it. And that's basically, uh, that's my mindset. Ideally, I would like to avoid it in 33 and have that option value in 36, 37. That's the way I'm playing. I think I'm very happy with the team now. And this is going to stay, the, the core of this is going to stay for the rest of the season. I hope. Really nice. I mean, that that back four is, <laughs> on that's just such a nice back four. I mean, you're comparing it to my double wolves and Dina and Doherty. And I'm going, I'm playing the wrong game here. <laughs> You know, look, I, I suffered in Game Week 30 uh, because uh, this team obviously did not have a lot of Game Week 30 players and the ones that did decided not to show up, which is Rafinha, Martinelli, Ramsdale, uh, Dean, who's been out, and Jimenez. So I had five reliable players who decided to get a total of minus two between them. So, you know, I got punished there, but yeah, this was the upside. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I... You don't even have that much pressure on you for the free transfers. I think you can probably even roll next week and be fairly happy. Um, how many doublers do you think you'll end up having in, in 33? I'll probably have, uh, so Rafinha to Barnes or Madison is on the cards. So that's, you'll have three Arsenal, one Leicester and Weghorst. So that's five and Broha, six. Yeah, And then you add to the fact that you have two from from liverpool i mean i may start trent or robertson may start both so three and then i have Cancelo and james i'll have a benching headache even in game week 33 it's so, a nice, nice problem to have though um yeah. you know once you make a decision about your starting 11 those other players are only there to enable you not to cause you um outcome bias and <laughs> disappointment so yeah no it's really good um Shall we look at the shambles that is my team and you can, we can spend You've the rest of the time first. Let's go through it. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to move to that. Um, okay. So for the podcast listeners, I've got Ramsdale and goal, uh, like Kipraz, and then uh, Dina, Saiz and Doherty in the back three. Obviously, Trent would have been in there, but he's on the bench, red flagged. Uh, Rafinha, Salah captain, Saka, Kulisevsky and Coutinho in midfield and then Lacazette and Kane up front. So you can see that I really, um, really went for it in the back end of the last four or five game weeks, loading up on the players that doubled and then played in game week 30. So I've got a lot of Wolves, a lot of Villa, uh, Rafinha at Leeds to sort of get rid of in the next um, four or five weeks. And uh, I'll talk you through what, what I've been planning recently. And it's... <laughs> 
potentially a minus four with three transfers this week. And that would be something like Jimenez down to Gelhart um, instead of Eggholz, just to fund um, some premium moves. I would get rid of Coutinho and maybe get Havertz or Foden and then upgrade maybe Saiz to a Reese James or a, or a Laporte or something like that. And then aim to upgrade Cody to the other premium option that I want in, in defence and then eventually upgrade Rafinha to Madison or Barnes and then maybe even Kulisevsky to um, Foden or Havertz, which, whichever one I haven't got. So I think the team will look healthy after those moves, but there's quite a lot to be done. And I don't want to rush it either because hits don't necessarily work off when we're, well, they don't necessarily work when we're trying to navigate all of these weeks, especially ignoring quite a lot of double game week players in 33. Yep. Uh, look, I, I get all your dilemmas and uh, luckily the, the Wolves-Villa game isn't that bad for points. I mean, I'd back Villa, um, even though it's an away game for them uh, against Wolves. I don't like, uh, as I mentioned, the Wolves' defence. So, I mean, one option if you wanted to avoid a hit, I do agree, by the way, in this team, you shouldn't be going back horse. You've got enough money up front anyway. Yeah. This is the time to actually get it out. And I'm also jealous that you could go down, right down to Gelhard because you don't, you're not, you don't need a bench boost in the future put money in defense. Um, so if you wanted to save the hit, one option is you just upgrade uh, a Cody or, a, or maybe a size because that he's more expensive unnecessarily. Uh, so Jimenez and size to Cancelo, if you really wanted to, or a James and a cheap defender, uh, a cheap attacker. That cheap attacker could be Broha if you wanted to go up a little bit higher to give you an extra doubler, or it could be Gelhart. So that's one move. I like your other move as well. You'll just be getting Foden earlier than others while others are going for Weghorst. You'll be going for Foden. Makes complete sense to me. I definitely think Foden will start against Liverpool. He should start uh, as well. He didn't He didn't play the England second game. Uh, uh, not that it matters to Pep, but higher chance that Foden starts uh, against Burnley, which is, again, a great fixture. Either way, I mean, I, I, I would slightly be inclined to do Cancelo because I think he's in my mind, higher priority than anyone else. And just do Jimenez and, and Saiz to an attacker and, and Cancelo. But if you're hot on James, and if you get the right notes from Tuchel, I think your Foden and James is very, very good. I think that's a great move. Uh, that's what I'm leaning towards. It might be Havertz, because I, I think that midfield, the midfield, I'm sort of prioritizing the, prioritizing the midfield over the defense. I don't know whether that's wrong, but maybe that's where our team slightly diverge. But I want a midfield five of Havertz, Foden, Saka, Salah and Madison. I think that would be excellent until the end of the season because Leicester obviously have their 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 double game weeks. Yeah, I know people are a bit doubtful about Madison's minutes. Um it would be from game week 33 that I would transfer him in. So hopefully over the next couple of game weeks, I might get a little bit more comfortable about seeing him play. Maybe Vardy's back. I think Madison's a better option when Vardy's back as well. I'm a little bit reticent about getting Harvey Barnes, if I'm completely honest, even though he's playing a little bit closer to goal than Madison. But that's to be expected. I think I think just Madison's a better player. Um, but nevertheless, prioritising midfield over defence and getting through the defence with the likes of Alexander-Arnold, Laporte and Reese James, I don't think is too bad a compromise. Yes, I'll be ignoring Cancelo and Robertson. Those will be the biggest worries. But otherwise, the team looks solid. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. And your team encapsulates the dilemma people have, which is, should I put my money in defense versus should I put my money in midfield? And our teams are, are a perfect encapsulation of that, where I don't think there's a right answer. It really depends on who you want to go for. The thing with the defenders is they're all rotation risks as well. I mean, James, with his minutes, you never know. I mean, Laporte should be okay, but again, not that much of an upside. So you have to compromise somewhere. You can't have it all. And uh, I think that's that's the decision you'll have to make. But I like, look, this team doesn't look as great because you've got two frees to make. I have made my two frees. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's it's a good place to be in. What we were talking about earlier about prioritizing the moves, uh, another if if anyone is in the same position as me, another opportunity. Well, before we get into that, when I look at this team, I go, what are the weak points? And yeah. immediately the weak point is the defense. I mean, I think the midfield, even with Rafinha, Kulisevsky and Coutinho is fine for this week. I could easily yeah. play that and they'd be fine. But Dinia and Saiz, not completely comfortable with that. So potentially maybe the first moves I need to make are enabling the moves with Jimenez down to Gelhart and then two defender transfers to catch up with the likes of Praz who have beaten us all to four premium defenders. Uh, Reese James and Laporte or Reese James and Robertson or whoever I want, really. Um, so I might be edging towards that um, instead. And then... You two defenders. Sorry? So if you, if you went um, Jimenez down to Gelhart, who could you afford for Dean and Saiz, for example? So that would give me three million. Um... 1.2 needed for Saiz to reach James. That would leave me with 1.8. Um, yeah, you could go Dinia to Cancelo, couldn't you? That would be that would be pretty decent, wouldn't it? Gelhart and then Reese James and Cancelo with Alexander Arnold on the bench. I could just go. I could just go Laporte and then keep the rest of the money for upgrading the midfielder further down the line. That's probably what I would go for. Um, it's very tempting to go Robertson, but then I don't have enough money to upgrade the rest of my team. So. Yeah. The thing is, they'll try their best to get Trent ready for City. They have to. Yeah. Because they still have Simikas on the left. They have nobody on the right. I mean, Milner will probably have to end up playing there. Um, it's not ideal. They will try their very best to get him ready. So I, I think this whole Salah missing out and people getting a rest is a little bit overblown. These teams are used to playing midweek, uh, weekend, midweek, weekend. And they'll, they'll you know, I'm hoping Ramsdale... Um, Trent, Trent will be back, I think, the week after. Ramsey could even be back now. A lot of these yellow flags will disappear. Yeah, fingers crossed. And yeah, might be even tempted to a minus eight if uh, Dubravka and Ramsdale are both out. Um, and get on board with your Pope to Mendy plan. That would be quite cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I would, I would say we can leave it there. Um, I would firstly thank you, Ted, for stepping in, uh, for um, for saving the show today. You're very and, welcome. It's a pleasure. And again, apologizing to the people who are waiting uh, in the afternoon. Uh, we, you know, we won't uh, we won't take that lightly. I mean, we do we do apologize for that. Uh, and uh, hopefully, Sonaldo will be healthy, fit, and ready for next week. Fingers crossed. Yes. Hopefully, not stressing too much out there, Sonaldo, and hopefully getting some rest because it's quite late in South Korea. I'm sure it's early morning. 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. The man never sleeps, but uh, <laughs> that's a different topic. Uh, anyway, thank you very much again, Ted, uh, and thank you everyone for joining Burning Questions. We will see you again next week. Okay. Thank All you. the best, guys. Bye. Bye.